0: At Osiris and No Simple Road, we know that many of our listeners are making it to live music shows all the time, except for right now. You guys aren't making it to many shows, no, but that's okay. A break is good. We want to help you connect with the artists and the music that you love so those live experiences feel even more meaningful. We also wanna make sure the music fans stay safe when you're finally back out there having fun. Yeah. The unregulated sale and use of substances is common at many live music events. And unfortunately, so is drug misrepresentation. And if you don't know what that means, that's somebody telling you that you're getting something and that something that they say that the something is, isn't that something. That's bad. That can really mess up your night. So Osiris and No Simple Road are proud to partner with Dance Safe to raise awareness around this danger. Dance Safe is a non-profit organization that provides adulterant screening services as well as peer-based education to help support people in making informed decisions about their health and their safety. Dance Safe prevents harm from consumption of misidentified substances for thousands of people every year. When that's you're out,
1: a lot of people that could potentially have a bad more time. than a bad time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that would suck. Like, mm-hmm. just, so just saying.
1: That's if, Even if they help one person, that's rad. Mm-hmm.
0: And so if you want to get involved, help out Dance Safe right now, you can go to DanceSafe.org and look out for their booth at the next live music event that you happen to be going to when all this is said and done, you guys. And this episode of No Simple Road is also brought to you by Shop Tour Bus. That was good because we didn't discuss that beforehand and we we all just went right for it. But it was was all in our
1: consciousness because I said it. Mm -hmm. So we had a hint.
0: Go to at shop tour bus online no at shop, shop tour bus on instagram <laughs> yep. shoptourbus.com online there you go and you're going to get yourself the coolest grateful dead inspired t-shirts and hoodies
1: stickers and all that
0: cool stuff yeah and it's going to come to you in a hand designed box
1: and the best part of all of it hmm. it's going to come to you for free shipping with the promo code no simple road at checkout so grateful dead inspired merch beautiful hand designed box all kinds of cool extras, no shipping, and a dope out like a dope item. So and a bootleg, yeah, bootleg, a bootleg. That's a, that's that's bootleg. A big leg. I mean, that's a big bootleg. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know anybody else that's doing that. No. So, like I said in the beginning of this thing, at shop tour bus on Instagram or shoptourbus dot online. Take care of them; they're going to take care of you because you're part of the No Simple Road family. And speaking of the No Simple Road family, this episode is also brought to you by. Define, Define premium, premium cannabis. cannabis. That's D-E-F-Y yeah, yeah. Why? because we smoke weed. Yes. eat Every, pre- Every day. Every and day. And just a little PSA. Uh, Define is open during this weird time that we're in right now. Yes, they are. They are serving the public out in Hillsborough and Forest Grove. And if your head is a little bit weird right now because of everything that's going on, you can stop by Define, say hi to Apple at the location in Hillsborough, or go by the one in Forest Grove. Tell them you listen to No Simple Road. You're going to get 10% off your purchase.
2: And a free
3: T-shirt. And (laughs) a free T-shirt. And you know what?
0: When you're stuck at home, There ain't nothing better than having some nice cannabis edibles or a cbd bath bomb yes
2: we can tell you for sure that they are working as hard as they can to make sure that everyone's getting exactly what they need to fix their head because it's crazy out there even in the weed industry Mm -hmm. they are selling out Thing after thing and Apple and everyone else at Define Premium Cannabis is working their butts off to make
0: sure that you guys get what you want. I'll tell you guys something. All commercial stuff aside, I see Apple when he comes home from work during this. And I'm going to tell you guys something, man. He's busting his ass for all you guys out there at that that dispensary. He cares so much. Mm -hmm. I have never seen somebody do such a 180 in life yeah he was the dude that did not give two shits about work and all of a sudden he his heart and soul is yeah because he yeah. loves cannabis mm-hmm.
1: that he like he that's if apple's passionate about anything it's about weed <laughs>
0: This is true. So, yep, he is. So, so, don't you want to go somewhere where the dude that's like literally passionate about the thing is buying the stuff for the place? So, yeah. Hillsboro, Forest Grove, tell them you listen to No Simple Road 10% off free t shirt. You get medicine, you're going to be fine. Your head's going to be all right. Take care of, of your, your
1: head. head. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor Music Masters Collective.
0: John Barber, singer and lead guitarist for the Disco Biscuits, speaking to you about the Touchdowns All Day with John Barber podcast on the Osiris Podcast Network. On our podcast, we listen to Disco Biscuits music, we listen to a lot of other kinds of music, we listen to a lot of improv music, and I discuss what it takes the clutch decisions that make epic jams. Use the hashtag touchdowns all day on all social media networks thank you so much for listening we love you so so very much Touchdowns
4: All Day is not responsible for any cankles, head wounds, K-holes, cross-species insemination, loss of hearing, vision, or appetite. Do not delay seeking medical or professional attention because of something you heard on this podcast. Touchdowns All Day is not a substitute for a normal, entertaining podcast. Please use hashtag TouchdownsAllDay responsibly. In the event of a medical emergency, call 911.
0: forget what you're doing when you're doing stuff yep it is yeah
3: mm-hmm.
0: i space out all the time do you uh, this is going to be a silly question i i'm not going to ask you mel
2: because
1: <laughs> you know, know the answer
0: Ryder. when you like walk into a room
3: do some this
2: doorway yes we're sitting right in our in our uh in our dining room. dining room and our doorway into our kitchen is right here and it is a magical doorway that wipes my mind every single time i walk <laughs> in there every <laughs> single time i walk time. in there and i'm like what <laughs> the, the hell
0: was i doing or if i have my phone in my hand I instantly forget what I was gonna do on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> hey no, no simple road oh, family. Yeah. Hi guys. Hey. Uh sorry we're late this week. Um you know it's crazy out there, guys. It'd be crazy
1: up, up in what You know, well, what? I mean I, just hill and is earth. <laughs> I just wanna send out
0: waves of peace. Oh yeah, absolutely. And everything like, listen, everything's cool, man. It's gonna be all right. We are a human family we are experiencing this as a community all of us not just the jam community or the
1: yeah it's not just the musicians no. what about the freaking artist what about the waiter what about the lady at the insurance place or the what? ceo or, or the, the this anybody is, this thing is is affecting anybody. high and low yeah
0: high and low so mm-hmm. we this is the first time that humanity has been uh, rallied around a common enemy as a species
1: mm-hmm.
0: even though it's invisible a threat. Common a th- threat common threat i'll yeah. call it an enemy <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's it. an Do enemy it. enemy
2: um, writer's eye kind of twitched when he said an enemy
1: <laughs> <laughs> but we
0: aren't gonna put out fear no. and trip and f- uh, you know what check it out we're all home yeah you're listening to a fucking podcast right now Mm -hmm. like everything's okay man
2: i so my my favorite thing when things are going on especially like things that are going on like nationwide or worldwide is to see people that it's affecting but they're still okay and i i will tell you we all were home apple's still at work right now but we were all home today aaron's working from home Mel's off today, I'm off today. Simon and his girlfriend were here, and it was just such a nice, peaceful day at home. It's peaceful. quiet. The the city's it's, quiet. The city's quiet. It, it was so, such a nice day today. So it check really this out. Was.
0: On a on a typical Tuesday eight months ago, there's a lot of psychic noise in a city on a weekday. Yeah. There's starting at five o'clock in the morning people are waking up they're getting ready they're hurrying they're getting caffeinated they're jumping in their cars everybody's going and doing and that's not going on right now nope. there there is a lull in the collective consciousness that's happening right now everything is is downshifted and and it's a good thing that part of this thing is really positive because it's giving us time and space To find those things that we didn't have time for before. I know a lot of you are worried. I'm worried too, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I'm not letting that overtake my psyche and fill my day. I'm attempting to put out positive vibes into the universe so that we can turn this thing around and and weather the storm.
2: You know what today and yesterday reminded me of? What? Like... Friday felt like Christmas. after yeah. Friday felt like after a tragedy. Today and yesterday felt like the days between Christmas and New Year's. Yep. Everything I, shut I, down. Yeah. Everyone, no one's doing anything but staying home with their family. It peaceful. And I saw it, some. You re-
1: know, you keep saying that word, and that just rings like a bell yeah. every time you say it. It was peaceful. I've I've felt a lot of peace. I've had to dig real deep to try to. Uh, not get so affected by other people's you know energy about this and you know how they feel and so I've been sleeping more which has been just such a pure treasure like (laughs) Mel
0: said Aaron I have to tell you something I'm in love with our
3: bed
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I mean I love it I love our pillows I love my bed I I just love sleeping now which before I never you never even occurred to me I didn't care about it I didn't anything it It wasn't even in my radar, but now, like, it's so rejuvenating because I just need a reset from everything that's that energetic and psychic. You know, now there's a different type of psychic noise out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? And and we're putting our psychic noise yes, out there. Yes, we are. And
1: psychic and noise. we hope you're enjoying it. Yeah,
0: yeah. This week's guest is is David Gans. And this mm, is part of our... Welcome. Um, and
1: thank you, David. Yeah,
0: man. This is part of our series leading up to Skull and Roses Festival, which is not canceled. It is postponed. And as soon as we get the dates that it's going to happen, we will let everybody know. And I'm going to tell you guys what... It was already going to be awesome, but just imagine,
2: guys! Think about all—not even just Skull and Roses—all the festivals all, that are yeah, going to be happening after up. everyone's been cooped up. Oh my <laughs> god! All this like built-up tension and energy.
0: So wow, yeah. it's going to be explosive. Be so so David, fun. David came in and hung out with us, and it was an honor and a super blast to talk to him. And what a sweetheart of a guy, man! Yeah, just salt to the earth kind of people that that I love having on this show. That like.
1: I love people that take the reins. Yeah, man. That's just, I i guess that's my attraction to type A personalities.
3: Hmm.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. Are You you think David is type A?
1: Well, I don't know necessarily that he's type A, but he's definitely organized and he definitely has his own like presence, a, presence and opinions and experiences that don't really teeter. He's not like a kind of sort of guy. He's very matter of fact and, and. I don't know. He just. And fun. Totally fun. And fun.
0: Like the, the one thing that I got from I'd this. Like, he, this was he was all was of it. so grateful for his life. Yeah. And everything that the Grateful Dead had, d- has done for him and what the music has given him in his life. I mean, he, he hasn't been awarded anything. He's worked his ass off to get yeah. where he's at. But and this thing so has many- uh, offered him the opportunity.
1: Yeah, he also talked about how, like, if you want, if you wanted it bad enough, mm-hmm. you can find a way in the scene. Yeah. And that, I I wrote that in, while I was, you know, we were doing our interview, and it just struck me because it's so true. Like, you can make your own way if you feel like it. You know, you can be as passionate or not passionate about something and make a splash or a wave or a ripple or any amount of energy. Yeah. You know.
0: And I'm I'm really excited for you guys to to hear this. It's super cool. And we did this before the announcement that Skull and Roses was postponed. So there is some talk in here of <laughs> us talking about we can't wait for the next couple of weeks. Just just like take that part when we say that and fill it with when when the dates are announced that it's actually going to happen. Yeah, when things go back to normal. Um, Which
2: they will inevitably go back to normal, guys
0: You know, there's a couple of things that I want to say Before we we get to the business and get to the interview First thing is One of the things that I've One of the um, most often commented things About No Simple Road That's kind of embarrassing I've gotten used to it now Is people say that I have a calming voice You
2: do have a very calming voice
0: Okay So I want you guys just to, to sit back and listen to me for a minute All right I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story. It's not really a story. I'm just gonna talk to you guys. So, I was out on the porch the other day and I was looking at Instagram, and I came across a post from Jason Silva. Um, if you're not familiar with who he is, he's a psychedelic um, thinker he's and a scientist philosopher, and, and just. Uh, All-around awesome guy. He used to be the host. Futurist. He used to be the host of Brain Games. Uh, If you don't already... Super cool show. Yeah. If you don't already follow him on on Instagram, go follow him right now. It's worth it. Um, Anyway, uh, the post that I saw really put this whole thing that's going on right now in perspective for me. And I think a lot of you guys out there will relate to this. So what he said, this is not my words. This is paraphrased from what I saw. I'm stealing from him right now.
1: No, you're, you're you're reporting.
0: He said, "What we're experiencing right now as a species is akin to somebody dosing your beer and not telling you." Yeah. We are in a collective bad trip right now. Yep. But those bad trips are some of the most formative, important, life-altering things. And if you frame them correctly, they can be the most valuable. He also said, there is no way out of this without going through it. The only way out is through. And so in harm reduction and all of that, when somebody is having a quote unquote bad trip, the first thing you do is you try and reframe that. You say, you don't say you're having a bad trip. You say you're having a difficult time. Or you're having a difficult trip. So this is something that's difficult that we're going through. It's like turbulence on an airplane. We're all buckled in, man. Nobody doesn't have their seatbelt on. Yep. We don't know what's going to happen. I understand that everybody is afraid. But understanding that this is a time that we have to go inside, spend time with the people that matter the most to us, create things that we would never had time to create before, Look at things that we never had time to look at before. And please, if you're out there and you're spending time in front of the television during this, shut the fucking TV off for a while. Not saying don't be informed. I'm just saying, spend a portion of your day reading. Pick up the book, meditate, stretch, go outside for a walk. Do those things that you don't have time to do because we can actually use this time to come out the other side of it better than when we went into this with more gratitude, more understanding for the way things work, more consciousness in how our actions affect other people. That's all positive stuff. That's coming out of this craziness that's going on right now. So that, that's
1: all what, Oh, it's just going to say one thing that's come out of it too, is people, um, some compassion. I've thinking Mm. about the elderly You know, and and young people wanting to self quarantine so that they don't affect their grandparents and their you know moms and dads and all that you know. So it's bringing awareness, also, to more than just yourself and your own life.
0: I also saw some really amazing things over the past couple of days of people rising to the challenge of the time that we're in. Down at the end end of the street, um, somebody took a picture and put it on the Nextdoor app. Somebody left uh, pieces of paper down on the corner. And it says, if any of you need help with groceries, you can't clean your house, or you have anything that you need done and you can't do it yourself, here's my name and my phone number, my wife and I will come help you.
3: Oh, left so those sweet. out on the
0: corner flyers with a rock on them for everybody in the neighborhood in case somebody's in need. You know, oh, you that? don't see that mm. on a Tuesday in July.
2: No, you know what that really shows. Sweet. Like the thing, like, all this panic buying and and basically the whole reaction to this is because people feel helpless in this because it's it's a big, terrifying, scary thing that we really can't control. But you can control like the things you that you're do doing something. right now. Yeah, you you don't have to go out and buy all the toilet paper. You can just make sure you can eat it. I mean, you, you can, can. You can too eat it. It's it's it cr- shouldn't. Don't eat you your don't toilet eat paper, it. guys. Um you can wash your hands. You can reach out to your neighbors. Make sure that they need help. You can Call people because everyone's isolated, a- isolating themselves right now. Mm-hmm. So if you know someone, yeah, call up your homies. I've yeah, been doing that, that, that every that day. Like Me too. Maybe it deals with depression and social anxiety. Give them a call, see how they're doing. Because people are isolating themselves now more than ever because they should be because it's a good idea. But that right. can really fuck with people's heads. So like, take control of your situation. I know, of I know one situation. of my coworkers
1: was having a hard time with it. Just like. <clears throat> I'm so grateful for our dynamic here at the house because we have each other. When we're isolated, we're together, together. Yeah, and that in itself has been a blessing. Cause when you're isolated, like you, any kind of feelings of like guilt or shame, they can probably set in very quickly yeah. because oh, yeah, you're, nobody's there fear, to, to, yeah, to talk it out of you. Yeah. And, and it's reminiscent, even if you've gotten past that, you like f- have that fear thing and you know, we're not allowed to touch each other right now. Um, you know, like social distancing and all this and I don't want to make fun of it. I don't want anything. It's just what it is, is, um, you know, take care of yourself and each other, you know, maybe, I don't know, fricking a wink, uh, like, you know, double head nod, something that lets elbow them kn- the elbow bump, people have been doing that. like Just, a, just a peace sign. A gesture. Let's just the peace sign. A, you g- a, a no gesture way. is what I'm saying, yeah. you know, because a gesture a is... A phone call, a text like, yeah. message, an email. Yeah. Email your
2: grandparents. They, I'm pretty sure yeah. they figured out how to use email. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: you know, th- there's a couple more things that I wanted to say too. It's like, when something awful happens, there's the shock of the thing happening, and then, um, and then you kind of have to settle into your new reality,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and that's what we experienced at the beginning of the week, at least for us here in Oregon at the at Friday. Yeah, I think Friday. was the really weird pe- peak day, of yeah. insanity here. Yeah. And it's taken a couple of days, but it's time for us to settle in to this this it's not going away tomorrow
1: nope. and it's still changing so subtle is it not like but you know but
0: it's 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 getting comfortable with being uncomfortable yes and and the th- uncertainty right yes. and it's okay we're going to come out the other side of this thing i know a lot of you guys are flipped out and
1: and the media has th- really made yeah. it that way for, for for very easy to get on that flipped out train yeah. And the
0: economic side of it is crazy. Yeah, the realities
1: also have made that I'm not minimizing
0: any of that, but what I'm saying is take a breath, ease into this energy that we're in, and then we can start to turn it around.
2: And there are still a lot of people who aren't taking this seriously. And I get not wanting to trust me. I totally, I've been taking this uh pretty lax even up until like a few days ago but it is it's a really serious thing like you should stay in as much as you can well you at should... this
0: point even if it is if this whole thing is a hoax and there's nothing going on we don't have any control over the stores not being open yeah. or the bars being closed i just or, mean or, i like I we're mean, in this no matter what at this point
2: i mean like yeah it even if it is a hoax it might not be like why go there's, oh, there's it's a lot already of not a
1: hoax people have there's already been consequences
2: yeah, yeah i mean like i mean like as far as the actual virus goes specifically yeah. the virus like there are people still going on spring break and stuff like that like hey man you can, can you know what
0: everybody's got their life to live and their choices to make if so. we
2: can save a couple hundred thousand old people's lives we from are dying, by the people like I, us yeah i just it. mean i'm Speaking out to people yeah. who might not be taking this seriously right now, I'm I would like to do my part and maybe helping a couple people realize that, yeah, it's a serious thing. Maybe stay home for the next couple of weeks if you can, limit and, your interactions and wash look, your hands. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, and I know a lot of us were super fucking bummed about stuff being canceled, dude. T- Thursday night, we were supposed to go see the Higgs, Saturday night, we were going to twiddle. The week after that, we were going to see O'Teal and then we were headed to Skull and Roses. None of that is happening for us. And I, I am right there with you, man. I was super fucking bummed about that. But if the flip side of that is all of us understanding what community means on a grand scale yeah. and like seeing our neighbors rise to the occasion and helping each other and like my work crew that I'm with, the people that I work with, like people that would never say shit like what I'm about to tell you, they said, one of the guys was like, if any of you need anything, I, you know, if you're out of toilet paper or you don't have any food, you guys are my work family and we need to take care of each other. Never fucking heard that from somebody <laughs> at work before. Not, yeah. n- No way. So if that's what's coming out of all that shit getting postponed and canceled, kind of okay yeah. with that.
3: I, I'm
1: okay with it no matter what. There, what else, what are we going to do? There's You can't have unrest. I can in throw your, a tantrum. You can throw a tantrum? I can. No. A BF. <laughs> oh my I gosh, wanted man. to go to the fucking show, yeah. man. Yeah. But I, have a show at home. There was a little bit of relief for not being able, like freeing up time Yeah. for me. Have a show personally. at home,
2: guys. Like if you take your sacrament and put on a good, good youtube show yeah on your on your home on your tv in your living room and just that's what spend jake, time that's with what jake yeah. wants to do this weekend hey i'm down for it. that's what gave <laughs> me the idea
0: you know um on it, also on that tip too we've talked a lot uh i on heads talking we talked about it i posted about it there's a lot of good online stuff goose is doing stuff with streams O'Teal and his management group are doing stuff with streams um,
1: Eric Krasno Eric
0: Krasno's is doing stuff Ross James Ross James is doing stuff Ross is even giving guitar lessons right Allie now Kroll. How cool That's so cool Dude w- You can go get a fucking guitar lesson from Ross James right now That's so cool
1: uh, Daniel Donato does that too yeah. He's always done that
0: Yeah I, That's so badass yeah, I know And cool But we were talking about like the musicians that are hurting right now And I want you guys You know
1: Yes Buy merch uh, Well wait Can I also say real quick before that there's a lot of musicians that are having a super positive attitude. Andy Frasco, Reed. we just yes, Reed, we just um, all of them. David I haven't Shaw, seen any of them no, bitching. they're so sweet. So I don't want to keep throwing that negative spin on them. Like they're being super positive, doing streams, super sweet, and being upbeat. And so thank you out mm-hmm. there to but, all those. But what I was going to say is,
0: you guys don't think of us like that, but we are artists too and this thing affects us as well. So, if you're doing stuff for the musicians, also think about doing stuff for No Simple Road. I'm just saying the f- festivals and all that are a big deal for for this show and financially a big deal. And so, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm th- you know, everybody's going through shit right now, but please when you you know, if you have extra and you're giving it to the musicians or the artists in your life, lump us into that category because we need your assistance too. And that's all I have to say about that. If you can,
3: if you things are, if can, things
0: yeah, people, people,
1: yeah. You know, everybody's initial tendency is to, you know, hold on to what they have, but then there's also a lot of spending because you want to just be so prepared. You know,
0: I, I saw something awesome today. Patreon is it sent me an email? Let me see if I could pull it up. Um, they I can't. They are doing something so cool. So if you're a creator on Patreon that is struggling because of what's going on, they're having an online stream with like all these different entertainers and comedians and whatever from Patreon. Oh, okay, eyeballs. And, and for every dollar that's donated, they're donating ten thousand. Not for every dollar, but they're yeah. donating ten thousand dollars. And they're also, um, for every person that shows up online, they're giving 10 grand and they're putting all that money in a fund and they're going to give it to the creators that are struggling through this wow yeah go and, look that and up and guys yeah, they, that's really cool that's so they super
2: supportive an easy way to support people who are struggling because yeah. there's a lot of people that yeah. that's that's so they, they d-
0: sent us an email and they were like are if you guys are struggling fill out this form and i, I clicked on it and i we're not struggling like that so i'm not going to fill that yeah thing out. That's but it was really, really cool. it. it was really cool it was like what's up apple apple's home from work i stole a spot so he won't be um here. they were like you know how much money is this going to set you back how much money do you need to make this right? You know, that's what, so what cool. events were canceled for you? Um, wow. It's it's fucking cool to see the way that people are coming through for each other, man. Super awesome. rad. Yeah. So.
1: Spread it around. Don't yeah, lump man. it up in one spot. Like the toilet paper, spread it around. So <laughs> well, you got to lump
0: up the toilet paper if you're going to use it. I well, fold it. See, so that, yeah, that's a thing. It. There's waters and folders.
2: I fold it. I yep. wrap it around my
0: hand.
1: There's Actually, also like a that's 50-50 too.
0: The, I I think I'm a fifty fifty. Well, I fold it and then wad it.
2: I, I wrap it and then I, I take it off. So it's like double. It's just oh, an I easier way like to jamming fold it. No. No. Wow. That's real bad what you just foul, said. I hate all quick. of it.
3: <laughs> and there we are.
1: See
0: see everything's gonna go back to normal. Yeah, that's a we we're the microcosm of the world. Yes.
1: All right from now on we need to be more upbeat about the situation
0: but i'm we're not downbeat no, <laughs> we we're, were just serious yeah which is serious. weird because we yeah. don't get serious
1: i know we were like saturday morning to today, was really, oh oh today was a really oh my god it was a really chill you know the more you grow andy yes. Frasco did that the other day oh my god i i cracked up because i remember that and I w- always wondered, like, do people remember that? Because it's not a big thing, but how would it be, and why would it be?
0: Because that was so a, it's a imprint from yes. childhood. Yeah. That, yes. that shit was formative. Sitting in front of a television set as a little kid,
2: you it were getting lasers
1: in your yes. Rainbow,
0: I will never forget that ever.
2: Machines like are that.
1: giving us our
0: people through machines. Yeah, I mean, your shit, it's crazy. I,
1: I, I'm really feeling weird. I feel like I'm well, in today, a sci-fi flick. All the time.
0: I said that the other day. I feel like I'm in a in a sci-fi movie that jumped out of the screen. We are like, in one of we we the
2: We're in one of the weirdest timelines, I think. Like there were a lot of possible timelines. We got a weird one.
0: Yeah, we got a reality
2: I TV stole star Apple's as a president
0: spot. and the, what's up, Apple.
4: So on the way home, like in the cannabis industry is thriving. we were slammed You're in all up. day. I could barely keep shit on the shelves as they're as they're buying it and putting stuff out and it's selling. Been on the way home, it's a fucking ghost town out there. It is. There's nobody on the freeway. All the, all the freeway signs say keep distance from each other and what? allow more distance for cars like the freeway signs. And the weirdest thing is I'm coming home and there is a line of 14 paramedics. As I got on the freeway out by Hillsboro, 14 paramedics, no lights on or anything, but like driving into town all in a line. Just driving into town. And like, I was like with them the sorry. whole time because everybody's so doing fifty five. Because there's also cop. There's a couple of cops sitting on the side of the freeway, like keeping a presence. It's eerie out there.
0: You know what though, man? I told Mel this today. Sorry about your ears, yeah, Mel. Guys, yelling at the dog I, I really into the didn't microphone. Mean that. Um,
1: <laughs> I forgot where I was yeah. for a minute.
0: See, we ain't trying to put on no bullshit here. You're hanging out at home with no, us right now. Seriously. Mel's yelling at the dog.
1: You guys, if <laughs> no, you ever thought that we were? Put, I was putting on. That. <laughs> I forget shit on the show. So like, check this out, though. I'm I told me.
0: I told Mel this today. Think about how cool this is. All that pollution that happens from rush hour traffic every day, twice a day, yeah. in every major city. The Earth is actually getting a fucking healing. rest yeah. right now. Yeah, you able heard, to Well, heal. you heard
2: like uh, Wuhan, like before even all this hit uh, America, Wuhan, there were like blue skies for the first time in forever because smog's all clearing up because everyone's
0: staying home. Mom Earth is like, yeah, all right, wow. you guys, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So A
1: forced hiatus.
0: Yeah, man. It's it. Look it's going it's, it's to be all right we, end of april i'm, I'm prognosticating it's going to be all right end of april we'll be coming out the other side of this yeah. bad trip so look whenever
1: it is that we time. come out
2: again look at look at Wuhan it's yeah. it's it's already going down I don't want to look at Wuhan they'll be I want to look at Melanie and Darwin I just I just mean as like a, as, a, as an example <laughs> of, of how this is most likely going to go cuz mm. they're they're things are going down all they closed down right all those upbeat. temporary yeah this is this actually <laughs> is upbeat they closed down all the temporary yeah. hospitals like things are get significantly yeah. better there
0: Cool Yay! Yay! Yay. So listen, this is what you're going to do You're going to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth You're going to relax, you're going to make yourself nice tea You're not going to upset your nervous system with worry And you're not going to make yourself ill for no reason Thinking that you're sick, you're fine Go to define premium cannabis and get some weed Go get some weed if that's your thing Get some tea. Do some yoga. Spend some time at home. Tell everybody you love them. Play D&D, I, guys. And then, oh, yeah. That's what we're going to do. We're yeah, going to start a Dungeons & Dragons game. Yeah,
1: I've been yes, reading I. about my character. I'm going to be a bugbear. Bug uh, didn't I say that yes. that was my... Because it's sneaky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be
0: me. Totally. Bugbear. <laughs> I
1: knew I was going to be associated with it somehow or another. <laughs> uh, that one's for you, PJ. I didn't want to be it, but I knew I wanted... <laughs> he wanted to, it in I wanted, there? Yes. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, there you go. Anyhow. Follow us on Instagram at No Simple Road.
3: Yeah. Go to
0: www.nosimpleroad.com and you can see all the n- old episodes. The new episodes are up there. We got merch available. Uh, you go on the Reddit if you guys want to talk. We're over there. What else?
2: Patreon. Oh. We already said that, but yeah, go to Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, is this Discord still a thing? Yeah, still got Discord go still going. If, you, if Discord's your thing, go on the Discord.
1: I was going to read this five star unless it's... Mel's going to oh read no. a five star. We already read that. Speaking of five
0: star reviews, you guys are home. You're yeah. not doing nothing. Check it out. You're listening to No Simple Road right now. And I'm talking to you because you're the one that every time I say this, you're like, I should leave them a review. Yeah, and then you don't do it. Hey,
2: Greg, it's been like six We're times no, now. No, no, no <laughs> names.
1: Greg. I like going out I'm names. talking Greg, to you. Greg, whoever you are, you're you, cute. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: hey. Now's the time. You got time. So just take a minute, leave a five star review and move on with your day. It'll take you a couple minutes, man. And if you're so inclined, like I said before, we are also artists ourselves. We are podcasters. This is our art and we need your help. So go to patreon.com forward slash no simple road. You can give as little as a buck a month. Those are cute dollars and they all fucking add up, man. Yeah, they do. So we need your help. Patreon.com forward slash no simple road.
2: Also, if you're at home right now and like I said, you're one of those people who you might be quarantined by yourself and you want someone to talk to or talk at, call our number.
0: Uh, 971-808-15. You know what? hang on a second mm-hmm. before we get to the interview all of you guys out there what you know it would be really rad leave us a voicemail of a positive story that's going on during this quarantine yes please, 971-808-1524 guys. a positive story of something that you saw that's going on during the quarantine Something you saw or did or okay. heard or something, yeah. some, okay, something that's, that's going on some cool thing yep And we will play them on the next episode. So flood us with stuff so that we have like 20 minutes worth of positive shit to put out there. Yeah, so we can
1: feed the family some cool stories. And
0: so now we're going to get you to... Another cool story. really cool story with David Gans. And like I said, this is part of our lead-up series to Skull and Roses. And that road is not simple getting there, but we will get there. We will get by. We'll get there, guys. We will survive. So without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you... David
3: Gans.
0: Take two.
5: There we go. Hey, yeah,
0: yeah that does actually That's sound yeah, better. That You're does. right.
5: <laughs> Good. Okay, so who am I talking to?
0: Okay, so this is Aaron, first of all, and then there's two other people here with me.
1: Uh, this is Melanie, uh, second host of No Simple Road. Thanks for joining us.
4: Sure. And then you have, um, I'm Apple, and I'm one of the other, uh, as we call ourselves, co-host. Aaron is our conductor and main host.
5: Conductor, I like it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know
0: how I got stuck with that moniker years ago. I, when I was learning how to tattoo back in the day, somebody started calling me that, and it stuck. So, <laughs> But it fit. Well, it, Take it. Yeah. yeah. Wear it proudly. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I guess when you get stuck with a... With a nickname, you got to just kind of roll with the punches, but yeah, you don't get to pick your nickname, Mm-mm. as they say.
5: Uh, David Nelson told me he was there when Pigpen got his name, and he was there when Marmaduke got his name, and he said both times you just knew it was going to stick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know I, that, that's
0: something I always wondered about, David. Well, first of all, welcome to the show. No simple road. Uh, <laughs> Hello. But, but <laughs> pig, how did Pigpen get his name? What what did that come from?
5: I I don't remember the story around that one i'll bet you dennis knows it uh, uh, from his book but i i just think it had to do with him being a slob and <laughs> not uh, uh particularly together you know i remember uh stuff that e matthews maybe telling you stories of him and or bob we having to climb in pigpen's window to get him up and drag him out to come to rehearsals and stuff so i think he was just kind of a unkempt fellow a sloppy but dude. the marmaduke one had to do with the fact that he was a uh, upper class kid who went off to private school and he came back all well dressed and stuff and everybody said, oh look it's marmaduke <laughs> and that was that and now he was you're kind you're of popish i guess in those days
0: yeah I, I i can't even imagine coming back to that group with a polo shirt on and some dickies and what you would have to deal with taking shit <laughs> But um,
5: this was probably fancier clothes than that because we're talking about like 1962.
0: Oh yeah, probably probably the suit. We're in the, the 60s. right? Tie, yeah, yeah. corduroy
5: vest or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, David, I have to say, first of all, you have provided me personally with many many hours of listening fun. Um, Us, yeah. Check yes. it. The, the tales from the Golden Road is one of my favorite things to listen to on Sundays, man. And just thanks for doing that, first of all. It's oh, I'm such so a cool glad.
5: Thing. It's such a fun thing to do, you know? It's like people say, well, you're so patient with all the listeners and all that stuff. But, I mean, really, my job is to listen to people and encourage them to tell stories. How freaking cool is that?
3: Right? <laughs> <laughs> a real, A real
5: privilege the whole time. I mean, everything, my whole freaking life, really, I mean... You know, the Grateful Dead gave me permission to put their music on the radio 35 freaking years ago. So I've been, they basically subsidized my entire creative life by allowing me to, you know, do stuff with their music. Wow. So every single thing in my life is a miracle that I owe to the Grateful Dead in a way. They didn't introduce him to my wife or anything, but a lot, most of the good things in my career are dead related.
4: Steered it that way. It's been
5: (laughs) an amazingly lucky existence. Wow.
0: It, it's such a weird thing, man. Like th- this community and family this grateful dead thing. It seems to have a, a knack for doing that for people from time to time. It, I don't know what the magic sauce is
5: or whatever, but like it's done. that. I think it, it's inspiration. Mm. I think people, I, I, in fact, when, um, Jay Blakesburg asked me to write an essay for his last book, his his Jerry Garcia book. Mm -hmm. And I went over to his house and we had a nice interview that I I used uh, to help me frame the essay. And one of the things that I realized talking with him was that we're both guys that just became deadheads, got completely into it, absorbed ourselves in it and found a way to make it part of our life. You know, Jay made himself into a professional photographer. And uh, just as I did, I made myself into a music journalist in the 1970s when I was a kid, largely because I wanted to meet the Grateful Dead and I wanted to learn and meet more people and stuff. So we're just, I think if you're strongly enough motivated, you'll find a, a place in this. And I, interestingly, I found my niche... You know, I was around as a journalist and hanging out and stuff and collecting interviews with them and also basically socializing with Bill and Bobby a lot in the early 80s and all. But once I got the um, the radio show going, I, I, I sort of fell out of the Grateful Dead scene in a certain way because I was working on this radio show every week, you know. So I couldn't go on tour. I couldn't travel with the band because I had to be home. To produce the radio show, so in a way, getting a job that's dead related altered my relationship with the Grateful Dead. As a you know.
4: that's interesting, like a little bittersweet in a way, like <laughs> mm,
5: yes and no. I mean, what all you know? I, I was never a big tour head anyway, because by the time I got into the Dead, I was already into my own career in life. You know, yeah. I didn't get into them when I was in college and could go fuck off for a, a three months or whatever, right? You know? yeah. I I was already a freelance music journalist and had a couple editorial positions. So I never really was a person who followed the dead around the country. I got deeply into them in the early 70s and saw them as often as I could. But it was not a matter of organizing my life around them. And in a funny way, I never meant to do any of it. And coming back to my own creativity as the primary thing in the late 90s, was really sort of like, oh, yeah, this is what I meant to do with myself all along. I've been writing songs longer than I've been listening to Grateful Dead songs, you know. Right. But I think everybody in this world sort of found their way into it, found a niche for themselves or, or didn't, you know. Right. And, uh, and and found a way to be part of it. And, and that includes people who wound up selling burritos in the parking lot. You know? mm-hmm. If like, you're compelled enough to be part of this, you'll find a way to make it work.
0: Yeah, it 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 re, like I said, I it, it does it for for people and for the three of us sitting here, it's done that. And it's been such a crazy thing because kind of like you said, I, I never meant for this to happen. This wasn't what I set out to do, but it kind of happened on its own. But then when I look back on it, I think to myself, well, of course, of course, this is what I'm doing. It just makes sense. Like. And that, that hindsight looking, well, looking at it like that is crazy.
1: David, something you said too, like, what is it that it's inspiration that's so true on so many levels. Like you said, the guy is selling the burritos, you're having this radio show, there's other people mimicking their music, there's people, you know, making, you know, beads and stuff like it created out of that inspiration, it created an entire community and like economic
4: subculture yeah.
5: yeah very much so i mean there are people guys like uh, tom stack and jonathan um oh god what's his last name um um oh, sorry i'd it's okay. forgotten the guy's name but you know these people were making bootleg t-shirts and then the grateful bed worked out a way to make them legit Rather than just punish them for violating the copyrights, they set up a system for licensing so that people who were inspired by the Grateful Dead could collaborate with them and and sell their stuff in a way that, that, um, you know, fit the legal structure of intellectual property and all. So the, the dead recognized that they were motivating people hugely. And it wasn't just to buy tickets and come to shows. It was to participate creatively. And they recognized that in, in people. I mean, certainly to me, I showed up as a journalist all, you know, excited to do interviews with them and stuff like that. And then they figured out that I was a musician and I sort of understood what they were doing on a, on a level that was useful to them. So they encouraged me to do that kind of journalism. And Phil Lesh gave me a very rare interview in 1981 and at a time when he hardly ever did press because somebody – persuaded him that i you know would be worth his while because i would understand what he was doing and that sort of was the beginning of a nice friendship that lasted quite a while So yeah they they recognized you know um fellow travelers and encouraged them
0: in certain ways well yeah and i think that 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 goes to the center of the grateful dead experience and the ethos at least from my perspective was the reciprocal nature of a show of the yeah. back and forth between the, the fans and the band and that thing that it's alive. that that magic carries out of the venue when you walk out into the parking lot. So that thing obviously makes sense that there's a reciprocal thing going on between the creativity of the fans and the band. Like you said, you know, taking people from the lot that are making sure it's bringing them in to make them legit it just makes sense it's continuing that musical conversation on another level yeah yeah that yeah, yeah
1: I, what a great thing to like for the band to take responsibility in a non like not on purpose responsible I mean, well yeah like take responsibility and be like yeah let's bring you in and do that like it just all the way around it's got these beautiful like pearls inside the scene oh.
5: Yeah, Yeah. and there there were tensions around those things. You know, there were factions in the organization that didn't want to be that uh, kind and cooperative. I mean, there was a time when Grateful Dead road crew guys would go around with wire cutters, you know, fucking up the tape guys. And then they figured out that it was easier to control their thing by enabling it within parameters than it was to try and stop it altogether. Because certain factions in the organization said, well, you know, you don't have to be mean about it. Let's <laughs> figure out a way to let these people indulge their audiophile hobby, trade the music around, which is good for us in the long run. So smart. And, you know, not feel the need to be dicks about it. Yeah. And that that, the, that that attitude tended to prevail, you know, because Jerry was at the top of it. And Jerry's inclination, I think, was to be kind and inclusive. Yeah, and...
0: You you know, you you said something I want to go back to about your beginnings with them in that, you know, you weren't a tour guy. You weren't a guy that that went around the country to follow them. And you were already a journalist when you met them. But what was your entry into the world of the Grateful Dead, David? Like everybody's got their first show, you know, and knows the date or whatever. But what was your what drew you in?
5: Well, I just celebrated the 48th anniversary of my first show four days ago, March 5th, 1972. Congratulations. I was living in San Jose, California, and I had been writing songs. I started writing songs in my senior year in high school. So I'd been writing songs for a couple of years in collaboration with a high school buddy, Stephen Donnelly. And he started bugging me to go see The Grateful Dead. And foolishly, I didn't think I was going to like them. Cause I thought the music would be too heavy for me uh, to, you know, I, I didn't, the heavy metal didn't exist. I don't think at that time, but I thought it would, I, I looked at the record. I tell this story on myself uh, from time to time. Okay. I looked at the record uh, jackets and I saw there was a song called ripple and I thought, Oh great. A song about cheap wine. That's not <laughs> good. new speedway boogie. I'm not a fan of that, you know, stuff. Savoy Brown, whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, and I wasn't particularly a blues fan either. And this is I'm I'm talking about a 19 year old kid is kind of an idiot, <laughs> but I thought I wasn't going to care for the dead because of these things. Well, imagine how I felt when I heard what Ripple actually sounded like. The Cumberland <laughs> oh Blues God. wasn't a blues, and the New Speedway Boogie wasn't a stupid, mindless boogie song that went on. <laughs> <laughs> All it took was my partner uh, persuading me finally to go, a gigantic dose of LSD, Mm -hmm. and a little bit of time to mull over everything that I heard on that very intense night. So when they came back in August, we camped out at the San Jose box office and bought tickets for three shows in a row, (laughs) and drove up from San Jose to Berkeley every night to the Berkeley Community Theater. Oh, yeah, we bought tickets for the fourth show that they added later. (sighs) So I became a, uh, I was a musician first, and I had always been a writer. I became a deadhead in 72. And in 76, by, by 1976, I was living in the East Bay uh, in, in Berkeley, California. And uh, a friend of mine asked me to do some writing for a music magazine that I had started. Mm-hmm. And I had been writing. I had done some record reviews for underground Papers and stuff. So I said, sure, that sounds like fun. Plus, I'll get to meet people and learn stuff. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So, that the magazine that I was uh, started with folded after two issues. So I went up to Bam Magazine, which was already doing that particular model of the free music paper. Brought them my articles, and they welcomed me aboard. And they had already started covering the Grateful Dead with a regular column, like every other issue, because there was enough going on in the Grateful Dead scene in the Bay Area to merit. A column, you know? Yeah. So they put me in charge of it, and that meant that when Nikki Hart was in the hospital after his car accident, I did a phone interview with him. Oh, wow. Um, I reviewed the uh, movie when it came out in that column. You know, we would post uh, shows that have been announced. That was just a general news uh, column thing about the dead. But that also led to doing interviews with them. In August of 77... The photographer, Ed Perlstein, and I were flown to L.A. to meet with uh, Bob Weir and Keith Olsen at Sound City. And by the way, R.I.P. Keith, he passed away today. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, So Ed and I spent a day with Keith Olsen and Bob Weir and did an interview with Bobby in his hotel room. And so that led to me being in touch with Bob. And uh, that was sort of just at the beginning of him launching his solo career. You know, Heaven Help, The Fool came out and he started touring with the Bob Weir Band, which became um, Bobby, Bobby and the Midnight, in the Midnight, and yeah. like that. So over the next few years, I interviewed Bob more often. I went up to his house, hung out with him a little bit and started, you know, basically palling around with him as a couple of bachelors for a little while there. And along the way, I met Phil Lesh and became friendly with him. And he invited me up to the house to show me um, cheap music, classical music and stuff like that. So I was going to the Grateful Dead office to gather news for the column, and I was interviewing and doing journalism on the Grateful Dead. So in the early 80s, and plus I had a lot of time. I was a freelance journalist, so I could go hang out. Mm -hmm. I hung out at Front Street at rehearsals and various things, you know, and went to their houses and all. So I I sort of fell into the Grateful Dead's orbit both socially and professionally in the early 80s. And uh, while my musical journalism career was developing, um, by 82, I was a uh, West Coast editor for Record Magazine, which is a Rolling Stone publication. And I was still working at BAM Magazine, writing features for them and and doing cover stories on non-dead musicians like Joe Walsh and the Doobie Brothers and Neil Young and people like that. But my main interest was the dead. In November of 82, I went on a press junket to Jamaica to cover the dead and Bobby and the Midnight's playing a music festival down there. And I met Peter Simon, the photographer and author, and he was beginning to work on a book about the Grateful Dead. And he was there with his editor, Bob Miller. And what I did not know until years later was that on that trip in Jamaica in 82, Phil Lesh met with Peter and Bob and suggested to them that the writer they had engaged to work on the text for Peter's book wasn't going to be popular with the band and they should hire me. Oh, shit. I did not know this until years later. Oh, wow, man. So they called me a couple of months later and asked me if I wanted to do the text for Peter's book. And I said, of course I would like to do the text for Peter's book. And that uh, wow! That well, first book was playing in the band, and it was published in 1985. It's now, sitting on my in the meantime, <laughs> K-Fog, the rock and roll station in San Francisco, had started doing a weekly strip of, of uh, specialty radio shows. There was a reggae show and a jazz show and a new age show, mm-hmm. and they started a show Monday nights. The K-Fog Deadhead Hour. so I appeared on that show as a guest to promote my book, Playing in the Band, and I produced a little documentary on the song Greatest Story Ever Told, which has a very interesting history, and I had uh, audio from Bob Weir, Mickey Hart, and Robert Hunter talking about it. So I got involved with doing, uh, helping the local host do this local Grateful Dead show. And eventually the, the station asked me to take over because it was very clear that I was more highly qualified than the regular host guy was. <laughs> yeah. And they you know, and I had relationships with the band and at that point the dead opened up their vault. They let me go in the vault and get music out for oh Christ's sake. God. So I was definitely the guy for that job. But I have to tell you, everything that I just told you all happened without my actively pursuing any of it. I mean, I pursued a career as a writer, and I became a freelance writer, but the book thing fell in my lap. I didn't know that was happening. I didn't, I didn't push myself as the author of that book. They invited me. And when I appeared on the k Pog Deadhead Hour, I didn't push myself to become the host of that show. I got interested in doing it. I was enjoying doing it, but they invited me. And then other radio stations started calling and asked if they could carry the show, <laughs> WHCN in Hartford. A uh, classic rock station in San Diego, and then WNEW FM in New York mm-hmm. City called. So I didn't start, I didn't lay out a plan to become the host and producer of a syndicated radio show. It just fucking happened. Right, right.
3: Yeah. What you, and, it sounds like.
5: And I was smart enough to recognize that door when it opened in front of me. I went to John McIntyre, who was the manager of the band, who was very sympathetic. And he took me to the band. I went to a band meeting, laid it all out. And they said, yeah, go for it. We trust you. Oh, shit. So I blundered, wandered (laughs) in, basically, (laughs) and my improvisational life led me to these glorious things happening that I did not create for myself i just recognized them when they opened up so
1: it couldn't have happened it, any other it, way it, right. improvisational life like improvisational band like everything is an improv at that point and it goes on feelings <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. following
5: jerry's instinct yeah wow and,
1: like that when you left that meeting were you like yeah. jaw on the ground like <laughs> excited or was it just like this is what my life is right now it's what's happening.
5: Uh, everything was <laughs> exciting and scary. And, you know, I mean, also bear in mind, too, that there were, that nothing was easy in that world. I had relationships with members of the band, which automatically made me suspect in other corners of the oh, organization. Because there's factions. And, right. And there were also people... You know, Dan Healy was a big radio guy. He owned a radio station for some years after that, and he wasn't thrilled with the fact that I was doing radio for The Grateful oh, Dead. Oh, shit. Yeah. There were various other people, you know. It, it just, nothing was ever really easy in The Grateful Dead, but I just believed. And I had been encouraged enough by Phil and Bobby and by Jerry, who I didn't know nearly as well and didn't hang out with. But whenever I saw him, he was always very kind to me and encouraging. And he kept saying stuff like, look, you know, you hang out, you'll find a niche for yourself. One of these days, somebody will ask you to pass them a wrench and you'll have a gig. Whoa. And it was kind of like that, you know. Yeah. It just opened up and it happened. And, it, and So, yeah, it was always exciting. It was always a little bit challenging. And I just figured if I kept my yap shut and did a good job, You know, Mm -hmm. I I would find a a place in it. But I I never expected any of this to lay out the way it did. And I didn't ever think that 35 years later, I'd still be earning a part of my living doing Grateful Dead on the radio. It's just been a freaking miracle.
0: I I have (laughs) memories of sitting in my school bus on tour listening to tapes of the Grateful Dead hour in the dark, in the woods, high on acid. (laughs) So like I said at the beginning, man, you've been, you've been part of my journey. Most of the time it's been Jesus 32 years now for me. And it's given me a life that I never thought I would see. And so I understand where you're coming from, not to the degree that you're talking about, but I get where you're coming from. And one of the things that it has been impressed upon me and you just hit it, I, I've always felt like if I have integrity and I do my best, that this thing shines when we do that. And, and it gives back to us. And, and that is exactly what happened with your story. I mean, 100%. Yeah. yeah.
3: It's,
5: I, I... What is a city
3: without its music?
5: Well, go ahead, David. Touring musician is that everywhere I go. I meet, say something like that to me, and my stock reply is always, "Well, parents have given me." Because mm-hmm. I led a lot of people into this Grateful Dead world and changed them. You know, I mean, it's not right. me that changed them. I opened the channel that led them to Grateful Dead music. You know, but that grabbed them and changed them. And so, you know, it's it's a, it's a thing as Jay Blakesburg put it in that interview, we have that grateful dead strand of DNA and we're lucky to be people that connected with that instead of having the heavy metal strand of DNA or whatever. Right. We love this thing and it is so uh, compelling and satisfying and has led to so many wonderful experiences and so many friendships and friendships so much good in the world right yeah, we, we all did this because we love this thing and because mm-hmm. it encouraged us and inspired us to follow our bliss and follow our creativity forward and you know become somebody interesting yeah. instead of a cog in the wheel <laughs> totally or but
0: to get to the point where <sighs> you're credited as the guy that pulls Phil out of retirement. I mean, that means that your strand of breaking
5: D- up. I'm sorry. I just lost
0: you. Oh, I'm sorry. It, um, there we go. To, now to, you're back. to get to the point w- it with your relationship with the band where you're the guy that's credited with pulling Phil out of retirement. That's, <laughs> that's no small thing that, that means that your strand of DNA is just a little bit different than, <laughs> than the rest of us, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. How did that happen?
5: Well, I play music. And, right. and al- although it, uh, it's been interesting because my, I have played music with almost all the living members of the band. Mm-hmm. I have. I played with Phil several times, played with Bobby once, played with Nikki once, played with Kreutzman a couple times in Hawaii. So, yeah, I've played at least one public gig with every one of those guys over the years but they don't relate to me as a musician. Mm-hmm. They relate to me as a guy who's been supportive of them as a right. journalist who helps them, right? Yeah. So uh, I and I and I needed to sort of keep those things separate, but over time, you know, I crossed paths with them musically in 97. Phil and Jill had started the Unbroken Chain Foundation. Mhm. And my wife and I were members of the the board of that foundation in 97 while Phil was beginning to work on the idea that became the Philharmonia of December 7th, 1997. And at the same time, I was working, uh, I was serving on the board of the Ashkenaz, a, a music and dance community center in Berkeley, whose owner had been shot and killed by a guy that he kicked out of the club. And the community got together and took that over, you know, bought it from his uh, family and turned it into a nonprofit music venue, wow. which, which it is now and still is, um, um, where uh, Stu Allen plays a uh, Grateful Dead gig every week there mm-hmm. now. But nice. at the time, I was working with trying to get the, um, get, um, keep, keep the club stable and rescue it from this demise. And uh, a fellow named Gordon Taylor and I came up with the idea to approach Meyer Sound, which is a Berkeley-based company, Mm -hmm. to help us put together a new sound system for the venue. Okay. And they were kind enough to give us half price on a set of speakers and accept the proceeds from a series of benefits as the payments on that. So starting in, I think, September of 97, we did a series of events that we called the Deadhead Community Center. And I had been, for, for months already, I had been doing a band I called David Gans and the Broken Angels at another venue called Larry Blake's in Berkeley, where I put together a different band of dead-loving musicians to play every week. that sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That becomes part of the story later. Totally. So Phil, I was working with Phil on his thing, and I asked him if he would consider coming over and playing a couple of tunes with us at this first Deadhead Community Center benefit. I said it would make an immense difference if you showed up and played a couple of songs, you know. And as it happened, it it fit his schedule, and at the last minute he agreed to do it, so we put the word out that morning that Phil was going to join us, and the event was sold out. We had a packed house, and I had a stage full of musicians who loved the Grateful Dead. Bob Braylove was one of them that day. And Phil showed up and did two songs with us. (laughs) And he had a great time doing it. And I remember standing at the back of the dance floor with Phil and my wife, and he's looking and he's watching these musicians on stage playing his music and watching these ecstatic people loving it. And I turned around and said, look, man, multiply this by about a thousand and you'll understand, you'll get a sense of how we feel in the audience at a dead show. Aww. And it, oh, it gave him an idea. And from that, we he liked the idea, and we did several more benefits for his organization. November 6th, I believe, at the um, Maritime Hall in San Francisco, and then another one in December, and then the sold-out one at um, the Fillmore in San Francisco, all of which were David Gans and the Broken Angels with special guest Phil Lesh as benefits for the Unbroken Chain Foundation. So by the time that the third one and final one took place in January of 1998, and shortly after that, Phil started doing Phil Lesh and Friends gigs along a similar concept. Right. So he got the idea from 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 the the thing that he did with us, and then he took it up to his level with, you know, the amazing musicians that he plays with and Bob's Your Uncle. So, yeah, I guess I introduced him to the concept, and he saw that this music is a genre, a language unto itself, and that he could recruit musicians to play with him. He didn't have to have a full-time band and go on tour, that he could do the kind of thing that I had been doing.
1: How wonderful wow. for him. I, like, well, how liberating to not be locked in, but to be also to do what you love.
5: Yeah, it seems to have worked out well for him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll 20 something years it.
0: later, yeah, it's yeah. going strong. You just said something yeah. that I've never heard right anybody on, David. say <laughs> before. That you just blew my mind, David, with something. How so? You, you said the Grateful Dead is its own genre. I've I never I, no, I I never I mean it, obviously now that you said it, it makes sense. I never heard anybody say that before, and absolutely, wow. Yeah, people try to put it, but it's bluegrass. It's this. It said no. It's no. the Grateful Dead.
3: <clears throat> yeah. It
5: it is a thing. If you look, uh, uh you know, there's a website called Bands dot com. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. And you go there, you know, wherever you are, you can type in your zip code where you are, and it'll tell you if there's a Dead Tribute Band playing nearby. And there usually is, because they are everywhere. And I tour. I go around the country, and I book gigs where I play a solo show, and then I sit in with a local Dead Tribute Band. And I've been having the time of my life doing that, and they are everywhere, and most of (laughs) them are really good.
0: Yeah, our local wow. our local guys here in Portland are the Garcia Birthday Band and, and
5: Oh I've played with them. Wonderful people. Awesome I love guys. them and they have such Aww. a great scene around. Them. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. They're, they're, and f-
5: that's happening everywhere in the country. In in every town there's a band that does that, or there's more than one. It, and camp bands uh, venues have, you know, like there's like the last Friday of every month is gonna be a Grateful Dead night. I'm and there'll a be a different band nights. that they'll bring in. It is a genre of music, and you can go like take out an ad in the paper, said looking for guys to play Grateful Dead music, and you're going to have a it's line exactly of people. Exactly the that same you know, as yeah. you look for guys to play bluegrass or whatever. Totally, it's, yeah. this, it's it is that thing. Yeah.
1: It's amazing. It really, wow. really is.
0: And it,
1: what a great historian! And, and,
4: and it's as strong strong as it ever was. Yeah, it's what amazes me day
5: in and day out. I, I love it. I I have stepped on stage with total strangers and had really, really enjoyable and what I consider worthwhile and valid musical conversations. That, Cause I, if you're good at this stuff, you love doing it and yeah. you love finding other people that, that you can do it with, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's
0: the thing about talking like this, that, that I love. Like I, I fool around with the guitar. I am by no means a musician like that, but, in talking, I feel like these conversations like we're having right now are jamming in the same way, only with words. Because I, yeah. s- I don't sit down, man, with a, with a list of questions when I talk to somebody. We don't do that. We just get to know each other. And something happens when you sit down and do this that doesn't happen. And like you said, I've made friends doing this. Great friendships have come out of just talking, or like you, yeah. just playing music together. You never knew these people, and then all of a sudden something happens.
5: Yeah. I've yeah. made so many great connections doing this stuff. It's just
0: crazy. Mm-hmm.
5: Wonderful. The, well, f- oh, I was
4: just going to well, well, like this, we, we never imagined, me and Aaron, and have read your books, Dennis's, but we never imagined that we would be, be working uh, in, in touch with Dennis <laughs> and staying in touch <laughs> right. with him all the time and having such great praise from him and having him line this up with you. And now we're going to Skull and Roses for the second year. We're going to see you play there. And Dennis is just such a sweet human being.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we share this sense of adventure and, you know, the idea that you can live a life of ecstatic musical experiences Mm. and still be a responsible citizen of the planet. And, all, and. You know, I mean, one of the things I'm proudest of in my life is that I've managed to make a living doing music-related things for my entire adult life. I started out working at a computer ticket service, became a music journalist. You know, I've been writing songs since uh, I was 16 years old as well, and somehow I've managed to do these things that cause direct harm to no one on earth and makes the world a happier place Mm. and... My mortgage in a way that allows me to have a clear conscience.
0: Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. You lay your head on the pillow at the end of the day and sleep like a baby. That's at
1: sixteen. You're writing songs. You said you really hadn't gotten turned on till you were nineteen. What what was your uh, musical influence at sixteen?
5: It's very interesting because I just revisited one of them. I did I I did an interview with a colleague who's doing a documentary on the fiftieth anniversary of uh, James Taylor's. Arrival, Ooh, yeah. and I had I listened to the first James Taylor album and the Sweet Baby James album for the first time in like forty years, and I was I, this was during while driving to Southern California on, for a gig, and I, I I it just it was so so deep to me to re-encounter this music. And I had forgotten how incredibly foundational it is to my sensibility as a songwriter. When I was a kid, I started on the Beatles white album songbook and the Crosby stills and Nash songbook. And I bought a Bob Dylan songbook, got into John Prine, Steve Goodman, those kind of guys. And James Taylor was immense, an immense influence on my guitar playing, my sense of what a singer songwriter can do and things like that. And, and so when I encountered the dead in 72, I was seriously into the singer songwriter types. I was into Cat Stevens and Elton John and Steve Goodman and John Prine and Bob Dylan and people like that. And the dead sort of opened up my mind to so much more that music could do Mm -hmm. and led me to this thing. There's a couple, the two poles of this kind of music making are, you record a song, you get it just exactly perfect in the studio, and then you go out on tour and you replicate that. Right. You play it that way live every time. The Eagles are the absolute apotheosis of that attitude. They perform their songs with the same equipment they used in the studio. Oh wow! Let alone performing the same licks and everything. So when I go to see the Grateful Dead, they're doing something different. Their songs, first of all, are much more. Uh, deeper and more interesting than a lot of songs. They yeah. don't tell you everything they know the first time you hear them. Mm-hmm. They intrigue you and you want to go listen to them again and say, did I hear that right? Mm-hmm. Because Robert Hunter left a lot of room in the images of his songs for us to think along with them, right? right? And then they would do a song that had a lot of interesting ideas in it, and then they would trail off into this jam, and it took me a while to figure out what that jamming was about. You know, it, I, I had to listen a lot and start figuring out what that guitar is doing, what the bass is doing. doesn't sound like anybody else on the bass.
3: No. Like
5: <laughs> so The Dead expanded my notion of music as to how you can do it in live performance and, of course, they were drawing music from so many different sources. They got me interested more in country music than I already had been. They right. got me to different blues performers and stuff, right? And to free jazz and things like that. So they expanded my horizons tremendously. And also the most important thing they did was that they showed me that you can interpret other people's music and be just as creative with that. I think the most important thing the people Dead taught me was that you treat all material equally and that you, you favor you don't favor your own songs over the other songs you're doing from other people, but you choose songs from other people that mean something to you that further your own narrative. I consider myself a direct descendant of the Grateful Dead in that I play a lot of dead music in my show, but I play it my own way. I change the keys and the grooves and the arrangements to make them sound like me in precisely the same way the dead took songs from Bob Dylan and various other people and made them into dead songs. Wow. And mix it all up with improvisation. So, never play the same show twice. Never play the song the same way twice. And trust your audience to be along with you on the ride for all this. Right. And uh, it just, I, it, there was, it, it's the just key. been incredibly liberating and inspiring and has taught me to trust my own creative light.
0: Yeah, but how do, you, how do you get to Hawaiian lap steel and Celtic harp?
5: <laughs> Not lap steel, slack key.
0: Oh, slack key, sorry. I'll tell
5: you, yeah, I'll tell you how that happened. Yeah. That happened because I was doing Grateful Dead radio. Uh, Anella Lauren uh, made a record called uh, um, Harpin' on the Dead, and I, I got a copy of that record, and I got really interested in playing it on the radio, so I got in touch with her. She was living on the North shore of Kauai at the time. I said, I love this record. I'm going to play it on the radio. And, you know, if you ever come to the mainland, uh, and and play and stuff, I'll help you out. She eventually moved over to the mainland and settled in Taos, New Mexico. And I met her down there when I was on tour and we played uh, a gig together and had a great time doing it. We just really connected, you know, Mm -hmm. I liked the way she did the dead songs and, and we liked to sing together and stuff. Several years later, I was contacted by Stephen Inglis, who met me, uh, who got my number from Blair Jackson, who had become a fan of his. Stephen had done a record of slack key Bob Dylan and was about to start on an album of slack key versions of Grateful Dead songs, and he invited me to sing harmony on his record, which I was honored and delighted to do, and he sent over the tracks, and I overdubbed some vocals on them, and as it happened... A couple months later, I went to Hawaii on vacation with my wife, so he invited me to fly over to Oahu and play a couple of gigs. Mm-hmm. So I flew to Honolulu, he picked me up at the airport, we played a house concert together, and then we played a club gig with his band and multitracked it, and he liked the music we made that night well enough that he mixed a couple of those tracks and added them to the album. So Action. Cut the Dead Some Slack came out in 2017 <laughs> as a double CD with my uh, a couple of things that I played with him as bonus tracks on that record. Right. And we just hit it off immediately and also just sort of fell in, in love musically with each other. And then I found out that he knew Anella. It turned out he'd oh, played electric wow. guitar on her record. Small world. So I said, "Well, let's get the three of us together sometime and see what we can do." And we, there was a, um, it was in April of 2018 that Stephen was coming over, and Ella came out from Colorado where she now lives, and we met in my the studio that I work at, uh, Megasonic Sound here in Oakland with Jeremy Goody. Record uh, uh, engineering, mm-hmm. and I invited Robin Sylvester to play bass. He's a good friend of mine. We work together a lot, so we made an album on that day, which we titled One Afternoon Long Ago because it was all recorded in one day, <laughs> and it was mixed the following day, and that became the band Fragile Thunder. Fragile Thunder, wow. and we—it's very hard for us to get together because we live thousands of miles apart. But we have two tours happening this year. Because I worked up the nerve to ask Peter Shapiro to listen to Fragile Thunder and he liked it enough to give us a gig at Lockin'. You're playing. And lock-in, we're also huh? playing wow. Yes, we're we're Damn. at the very, very bottom of the bill. We're we're on the last line of artists, but Amen. I'm playing I I told myself I wasn't gonna go to Lockin until I could go as a performer. <laughs> And that's how we're going. And we're also playing the Just Exactly Perfect Festival out here in Placerville, California, in September. So we're going to do more gigs this year together than we've been able to do previously. Last year we played, you know, the uh, um, uh, just. I mean, not uh, we played uh, Skull and Roses Festival together last year, but this year they only wanted me solo, so we don't get to do that one. But we do get to play some gigs in June in the east coast and in september out here in the west and it's just it's glorious the three of us that record we made i mean it's it's amazing to me how great the jamming is we didn't have to edit it hardly at all the singing came out great and we just and our live gigs have been wonderful it's so easy to play with those two it's it's ridiculously (laughs) sweet i can't wait to
0: see it man at at skull and roses though you're you're playing solo right
5: yeah, I'm just solo. They didn't they, they somehow they didn't want the trio for this one. So I get to do that but the just exactly perfect festival. It'll be the three of us and we'll probably play at least another gig or two in the Bay Area in September around that. So And we'll be at lockin and doing some house concerts around Virginia and D C the week after Lock. Wow.
0: And and you also turned me on to something that I has been a new love of mine is the rumpke mountain boys and, uh-huh. <laughs> and man I, last year we um were the official podcast of northwest string summit and oh cool yeah it was super awesome and it's like 20 minutes from our house man like it's the greatest thing ever
5: hey and, put in a good word for me up there with Jim i've been trying to get a gig there for years you got it man no problem <laughs> Oh. So you met the Rumpkey Mountain Boys. They're crazy, huh? We, well, this-
1: we interviewed them before um, before we saw them at Summit, and then we saw their performance That you know, when we went to Summit, and it was like nothing I'd ever experienced as, as far as f- the feeling that I got from their playing. It was, they transformed the entire area into like this swamp. swampy <laughs> kind of, like, yeah. it was just, well, gosh, are, Dave, it was first amazing. and
5: foremost, those guys are Song freaks. All of them write, and they are all just like they're just. See, they remind me of the Young Grateful Dead. They write their own material, and they borrow stuff from a million sources, and they stitch it together into a unique narrative that is unlike any other band. And they're, and they're insane. I've toured with them a bunch. I've known them. I've been working with them since 2011. They're just insane guys to tour with and great fun. You can't
3: even imagine. And
5: <laughs> they, they remind me of the dead in that sense that they're totally deeply into the literature of the music that they're doing. And... Improvisation—they never do anything the same way twice. That—that—that uh, that, that to me is the gold of the Rumpke Mountain
1: Boys. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, I heard you talk. You only pick the best, huh, David?
5: Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I have good taste. Yeah. Well, yes. go Don of the Buffalo. You guys should go listen to Don of the Buffalo and and dance to Don of the Buffalo. A wonderful, wonderful band with a wonderful tribe around them.
1: You said Don. Donna. Di-
5: Donna. Oh,
0: Donna. The okay. Buffalo. Okay. And Mel's writing it down as we speak. Wow, man!
1: Wait a minute. I just want to say one thing, David, because um, I was really late to the Grateful Dead party. I was a young mom. I wasn't. I was into grunge. I'm a lot younger than my husband. You know, well, not a lot, but seven uh-huh. years. And so, I didn't really, you know, get turned on to the Dead till I was an adult and had no idea about touring and the scene and just from a historical point of view. And then we started the show and going to more shows. And there's always that certain thing that I can't explain. But you said just one beautiful little sentence earlier that made me recognize what that feeling in is. And you said it's further your own narrative, that they helped further your own narrative. And that's a really awesome key because, you know, whether you're on psychedelics or not whether you're under any kind of influence or not when you listen to the dead their lyrics and their music furthers wherever you are Mm -hmm. like it can make you happier make you feel deeper make you what emote more and that was just really awesome thank you for putting it into such simple beautiful words for me to like take in
5: I'm glad that worked for you. Thank and you. it also involves being part of something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. That, that thing of, you know, you can run into somebody and he's wearing a Jerry Garcia tie or he's got that sticker yeah. on his car. but You know you have siblings all over the country, people that will take you in, people that will help you, people that will smile at you. People that will help you if you're in in a jam, you know, yeah. or just people to celebrate with, and that, and everybody has noticed that over the years. When you go to a Grateful Dead concert, you might find yourself standing next to a freaking United States senator, but he's not acting like that. He's just another guy in a tie dye shirt dancing with you, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, that's, well, that's so
5: true. That, that's, it's a great equalizer when you're in that place.
1: Totally yeah. a great equalizer. That's another really great point. You're right.
0: It's so many lessons spill out of that scene into life that we can take and one of them that i hear from from him is gratitude there's you you're so grateful it comes through so strong in in the way you talk about your life and the things that you've experienced and what you've done it's it's really cool man i can feel it coming through the phone like literally
5: Well, I am uh, truly one of the happiest human beings you'll ever meet because I hit the absolute jackpot in the career department and the marriage department. How long have you been married, David? Sorry?
1: How long have you been married?
5: 25 years. We celebrated our 25th anniversary last September. Oh,
1: congratulations. Congratulations.
0: You got us beat Uh, by three.
1: That's awesome! Yeah, man! Wow! Not a competition, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I just
5: my everything good in my life comes from this happy home that we have here, and I get to do all this. um, Grateful. excuse me, one second. Hey, Rita, I think our new neighbor is coming to the door, and I can't talk. Anyway, carry on.
0: Oh no, that's it. I I just wanted to say that, man. I just wanted to say thank you for that. That. That feeling of gratitude is real, and and it really shows, and it does come through, and and I appreciate having a conversation with you, and I can't wait to meet you at Skull and Roses and give you a hug very soon. Say, I'm, oh, I'm man, looking forward to it too, me too man. Aww. Well, and that
4: anytime
5: you guys want to do this again, obviously I have plenty to say. Yeah, awesome. obviously.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to throw that into we we talk about it constantly now, and I mean, what other there is no other band that you could have a four day festival of. Just playing Grateful Dead music, you know, there, there's nothing like that in the world. A four day festival where you're going to hear you're going to hear everything totally different. People cover the same yeah. songs and it's just so magical and
0: super excited. To see you there, man. I, yeah, I, I appreciate you taking the time with us. Oh,
5: I'm happy to do it.
0: All right, brother. We'll talk to David, you soon. Much
1: continued success in your both career and regular life. Thanks <laughs> for sharing. Appreciate it.
5: Thank yes. you. And feel free to call if there's anything further I can do to help you guys. All oh, right.
1: Thanks, on.
4: David. Thank you. so We'll
0: much. talk to you soon, I'm brother. Thank you for your time, man. See you in a couple of weeks. Yes, yes sir. <laughs> <laughs>
5: See you at the right Jubilee. On. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care, of you guys.
0: Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. Having gratitude for your life—that's super he cool. He loves his
1: girl. He loves his job. He clearly loves himself. Like, and
0: that's another one we hear this time and
4: time we get like there. It was it was no plan. Like a five year plan, You just go into it with
0: true love.
1: Yeah, he, true he's inten- definitely you know, down for adventure.
0: This, you know,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: yeah. He uh, said
1: that. He said.
0: Down for a life of adventure. Yeah. yeah. And that's
1: what him and Dennis have in common. And maybe that's so similar. Also, I'll throw Big Steve into that. Uh, yeah. Like, totally down for adventure. You're not like, okay, I got to be home by eight. I'm tired. Like, no. You're like, all right, this is where we're going this week. All or, or, or right. You're at the band you're meeting. Like and, and, and You don't and say no. Yeah. You you're at the no band meeting and
0: dude is like. I think I want Apple to write the book.
1: But you know, remember, (laughs) remember when we talked to Dennis, he had a certain like he had availability. He was available. Well, you got to want it. He made
4: made himself available. Exactly. Who who, who am I? They they didn't say no to me. Who am I to say no? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and he said something that I wrote down um, too. He said, um, "If you are strongly motivated, you'll find a place in this."
0: I mean, that's what we've done.
1: You're strongly motivated, babe. I,
0: I am. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes. Yes, you are. I am. You know what?
1: I You've got motivation for the three of us.
0: <laughs> I get tired.
1: Yeah. And no, I'm not saying oh, yeah. you should keep it up and do it by yourself. I'm saying your motivation is so strong that it covers the three of us.
0: Well, that's Okay. I'll agree with you. It's when true. It comes to, yeah, you know, it does. Saying, you do so much uh, yeah. today. I just had to respond to one. I had to deal with
4: one email and trying to find the time today. I made myself I go. Oh, I'll I'll do it. I'll do it at lunchtime. Lunchtime came and went. The second prayer... It's like you just do it. Yeah. And I did it and got a response and now I. Now it's gonna happen. Call. Yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. Just I, Im- do I admire it right that, right right that about there.
1: about it, you, babe. I really do. Thanks, babe. That is. <laughs> To me, something that you have in common with these, the greats of the scene is no, th- no it's true, especially after talking to them. It's you. Keep it up. You keep up the conversation. You do not gonna quit. You're relentless in that. No, you're and, not
4: going to. And you're the one that got and you're not us lazy to do that. Me and Mel wouldn't be doing it. this no. without you.
1: No. No. If Apple and it'd I be completely knew each different. other. We no. might have the Mel and Apple show, yeah. but it'd be something <laughs> <Talk>. completely <laughs> <laughs> different. I was, I was thinking
0: about it the other day, and I've had a weird thing going on lately with perspective in the past, like looking back at things and understanding them in a new and different way.
1: Twenty twenty, I'm not. I'm not going there. <laughs> but
0: yeah, and so much of my early Grateful Dead experience was really fucked up. Like um, my idea of what the scene was was very um, colored by my baggage. In, in a lot of ways like In really like detrimental Psychotic Kind of ways the, the Things that only I know Because I'm the one that thought them And felt them And now 32 years later I have the Advantage of perspective to look back on them And see them for what they were And understand why I felt like that But at the time It wasn't like that sure. it, it was And Anyway, so I was thinking about all this the other day and like looking back and and trying to figure out like, why was it such a big deal for me? What was the thing or things that made it feel so huge? Because Apple and I had had mind-blowing psychedelic experiences just hanging out in the room listening to The Doors, Jimi Hendrix. So why was this thing different? Was why is this thing night different <laughs> than every other night at Seder. Like we always the one thing we were both missing was family. We had
4: our moms, our dads, or anything, but not a.
0: That's part family. of family. But the thing I, th- looking back now on it, I think the thing that got me mostly. Bobby Shorts. It was Bobby Shorts. I knew it. I <laughs> yes. fucking knew it. it. Knew it. it was That's Shorts. what reeled me in. And Jerry's sweaty <laughs> black t shirt. No. Sorry. It, yeah, it, just, it, I, I, I it was the idea that somebody could understand my mind. Mm. The, yeah. the idea that Hunter's lyrics were explaining my thought. I had never had that before. I had had experiences inside of somebody else's music. But somebody else's music never was my experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. And that's why it was such a big deal to me. And, like, it rocked the rest of my life like that. It changed who I was because, oh, shit, somebody else is thinking the thoughts that I'm thinking. And I, I always felt other, different, uh, outside, even with my friend groups i felt alienated from everybody i was always the the weird kid or the the punk kid or you know whatever so i never fit and then to have that because as a kid your parents don't understand when you start going through puberty and you're changing, becoming an adolescent. Your parents don't understand what's going on in your head. You're a fucking mess. Yeah,
4: that's the last thing you would do is talk to your parents about those things. Well, let's talk about masturbation. Yeah. God, no. no please, you. no, mother. Which, you
1: know, being a parent, you want that relationship with your kid, but it's so understandable that it's can't be you all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you know? well,
0: and that's part of growing up and out of your home, too. If, you know, you have to separate from the family unit to go make your own someday or whatever you're going to do. But I didn't have that. I didn't have it at home. And my friend group was small and few and far between at the time. And, and then to go there and like have that happen. And then my thing was like, can I reproduce it? Can I have it happen again? Was it, was that a one-off? So that's what I was chasing. I was chasing that like is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again? Is it,
1: it Why aren't you just excited that it happened?
0: Because I'm not like that.
3: I I wasn't <laughs> I
0: I don't fucking know. I wasn't like that. I want I was like this is so good. I want to make sure that it's going to be here next time. You know what I mean? I don't want it to go away. And so now 30 whatever years later, I have the perspective to go, "Oh, nope, that ain't going nowhere." And that's just who I am. You know what I mean? That's like, I love what he said about DNA. That's true. You know, Yeah. you have a weird, psychedelic, grateful dead gene. That's why it's not for everybody, which is also a
4: beautiful thing, I think. Yeah. It's not for everybody. Everybody doesn't get it. Everybody's not meant to get it.
0: Mm-mm. And that's okay. I'm cool it's with more that. more than okay. Yeah wow all right well you know what you guys there there's one more reason you need to go to skull and roses right there that 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 interview is pretty much says it all if you were like on the fence you're like i don't know man
1: like i'm waiting for the interview where somebody's like yeah i applied for the job i filled out an application i sent it to the grateful (laughs) dead they looked it over i sent them my resume we had a couple interviews and then I was in. Well, I actually
0: went to a, we, we went to a. Um,
1: right. I took, I, I minored in, I majored in Grateful Dead. And um, an internship I gave, for two right.
0: years. It was a group interview. They asked us nine <laughs> questions about what our favorite Grateful Dead lyrics were. And mine, my answers were the best answers. So I got the job. Oh, uh, no. No, that's, you're not going to have it. I want to talk to the Rumpke Mountain Boys again now after that i'm
1: sure they'll talk to us again those guys are a ton of fun and are they gonna be it i didn't i don't don't think so
0: i don't think they're gonna be at summit but when you just brought that up that the feeling i refelt the feeling as you said it and it was like a little bit
1: scary
3: (laughs) did you hear his laugh like (laughs) a little bit scary you can't
1: help but be like grungy when you talk about the Rumpke Mountain Boys. <laughs> and remember their catalog was insane? They know 1700? 1700 songs. Is, am I, I just making that up? No, a, you're not making okay. that up because <laughs> we, re- we repeated that again and yeah. again when we interviewed
4: them. It was like, I, even it was when like I wait, say hold it. on, can I say something?
1: 1700 <laughs> songs! Yeah. Yes! That, like, that's, that, that's there's like amazing human <laughs> beings out there. Maybe they're hybrids, I don't know. But
0: Alien hybrids?
1: any kind i don't know celestial hybrids alien hybrids um Let's get into it. godly hybrids <laughs> musical freaking talented hybrids i don't know some we're
0: creating musical fusion
1: i guess so <laughs> i guess so <laughs>
0: thanks jack black for that quote i, I uh, like i was saying man if you're on the fence uh, just go get the goddamn ticket already it it's yeah. we've done
1: f- really a good job at explaining to you why it's so amazing to co- to go to this festival Giving you guys these interviews, right?
4: If you're still on the fence, you just like hanging out on fences, I guess. Yeah, if if you don't wanna go, that's (laughs) one (laughs) thing. I like the view from up here on top of the fence. I'm just
0: gonna stay here.
1: Yeah, if you don't wanna go, that's one thing. But if you are thinking of going and you're just like, I don't know. I gotta wash
0: my hair. My fish needs a bath.
1: It's gonna be fun. You're gonna have story time, you're gonna have music time, you're gonna have dance time, shop time, fun time.
0: And you can come hang out with us. Camping time. And you could tell us your grateful dead story and we'll put it on the show.
1: Yeah, let's do our own little cute. Um, you know, grateful. What's your favorite Grateful Dead story? What's your favorite Grateful Dead song? What's your favorite Grateful Dead lyric? Whatever. Like you can't
0: like, ask people what their favorite Grateful Dead song is.
1: Well, I'm saying whatever pops out at you. What's your favorite <laughs> Grateful Dead experience or moment that you've had? So
4: if you ask people that, you're gonna have like really long awkward silences or like something. Okay, heads Apple. might pop. Apple, or do what's you? Your,
1: what's your favorite <laughs> Grateful Dead? Whatever song lyric experience memory. Like I'd, I'd
4: say "Fire on the Mountain," but they, but it changed it changes like weekly. But that's the one that that's the one that hooked me. I have. that was the bait that was like,
3: oh, but, huff, what, but why? But
1: why? What, what did yeah, it like why? further your narrative? Was it because music? Of the, like, uh,
4: well, and it means something different to me now than it like did then. The fire, the lyrics hit me at a time when when you know that that like get up, get up, get up. You out know, I, it, it was like. Wait, what? When I was kind of, I was high as hell. Like everybody said, heroic dose of acid, went to it as a metalhead and was fighting it. And that was, that wasn't until the second set. So it was like after set break, everything.
0: Bobby's like, long distance runner, what you standing there for? <laughs> Apple was like, oh shit. That
1: and is it, a and really and amazing it, and line and it though. And like...
4: And plus just, just the beat of it was so, cum- it still is to this day. That one, as soon as I hear that boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's
0: very, it's like, oh. Yeah, home, home. I my favorite memory of all Grateful Dead, like not post Grateful Dead, not nowadays. Like back in the day, Grateful Dead.
1: It's of all time, whatever you I'm want. Not,
0: well, I'm just,
1: how about of all time?
0: No, <laughs> I was gonna say that's
4: the
1: thing. That's, yeah, there comes but, a story well, okay. with your favorite. I got one. Like so gone- wait, hang on. Yeah. Right. So what comes comes to sh-
0: mind at shoreline. The grass in the back. Is kind of tilted, and it's it's a little steep and in, in points. Kinda, of, it yeah. it's tilted. It's tilted. Kinda. And yeah. I went, <laughs> I tilted. went and saw the Jerry Garcia band there, and the sun was going down, and I was really high, and he came out and played "What a Wonderful World." Oh yeah! And the entire That's place, cro- we were all in tears. <laughs>
4: And he was wearing shorts. I remember that's the first I ever learned that that was such a big deal. I didn't know that. I was still kind of... And I was like, Aaron, what's the? why is everybody freaking out? He's like, because he never wears shorts. He's like so comfortable and like was in that moment of comfort that he came out and shorts. And people were just like, oh, Jerry's
6: wearing shorts.
4: And I was like, well, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then like afterwards, I got it
0: like later. Like, okay. But that, was, that song was already like my favorite song of all time why I've just I've, I just remember when you I told me that that, song. that you love it's
1: that song. song I well it's an amazing song but like you and your musical style had it didn't match it never made it sense it
0: feels I'm fucking crying thinking about that like first of all that song when that's the, the way that it sounds the original hmm is like a hug to me mm-hmm. like, and it's inspiration yeah but but like' mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. the best that life can be, like that feeling is the best, and then to be there and have that happen because I didn't know that he ever did that song. It was a surprise, so it was like it's always a surprise. my favorite person. Playing my favorite song, yeah, and the weather's perfect, and the sun's going down, yeah. and like the feeling of it was so intense and overwhelming. Like it was, it was a, a lot. So yeah, wow, cool. Grateful Dead's ride, <laughs> pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. You're crying,
4: crying. Pretty cool. <sighs> All right, well, thanks
1: for listening, you guys, and I hope well, I'm sure if you went to the end, you have enjoyed this beautiful interview with David. Thank you, Dennis, for a million reasons, but yeah, yeah. i the the main one and it covers everything. Thanks for letting us in and being such a beautiful welcome mat to the the dead scene. That's what it I think Damn, about when I think of Dennis, yeah, like I feel like Dennis is the welcome mat that we got and it's beautiful and it's soft the and it's plushy man. and it's cute and it's awesome. And uh, thank you.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks to all you guys for yeah, listening thanks, to the episode. And Dennis doesn't like to be
4: thanked when we thank him. He's like, Oh, oh Stop come, on. Come, yeah. on. come on, come on. He'll accept my thanks. Yeah. you
1: take it from <laughs> Cause I'm a grandma. I mm-hmm. earned his respect with the, <laughs> 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 by having a grandbaby.
0: All right, you guys go buy tickets, skullandroses.com. Um, they're also at no simple Follow us on all the stuff. Uh Instagram at No Simple Road. Follow go to Patreon Reddit. Reddit, all the things. And remember, listen, there's a lot of crazy shit going on out there. Don't give in to the fear. Create your own reality. Be safe. Be well. Take care of each other. Smile as stranger. Safety third.
1: Doesn't hurt to gargle every now and then.
0: Hydrate. Wash your hands When you wash your hands Wash your hands Say the ABCs And when you get to Z Then you rinse your hands Right Or you can sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star Either one Count to 20 Or that (laughs) Talk to you guys soon Peace Wash your
3: hands
4: before, so we may think, but it's a tab and a strange Similarities that feed an A equal A complex, the fears of your past do not equal the perplexities of the current road.